The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hi, and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me as always as co-host is Fishing Rico4. How are you, buddy? Very good, Macca. What about yourself? Good, mate. Always good. Good work. And that's it. And for the first time on the podcast tonight, we've got someone that's been around on Big Footy since just about the beginning. Um, he used to be known as Bresh. Um, he was a moderator for a long time as well. I was speaking to Dos Seminas. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us on. Love your work. Cheers, buddy. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Um... Now, as we do with all the first-timers on uh, on the podcast, we thought we'd find out a little bit about your Port Adelaide supporting background. Um, so how did you come to support Port Adelaide? Uh, well, yeah, definitely it's a family thing. Um, entire mum's side of the family grew up around the port, and uh, you know, we have a few connections with the club. I think there was a great uncle who um, captained the reserve Maggie's teams back in the 50s or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, when I was a five or six-year-old, a couple of cousins bailed me up and... This was at a time that um, my, my loyalties might have uh, you know, been in question, and they, you know, they informed me very, uh, very forcefully that we were a Port Adelaide family, and I was a you know, Port Adelaide fan for my life. So uh, that was James and Cameron. They'll, they'll probably listen to this. So shout out to them. Um, but yeah, so really throughout the nineties, um, some pretty good memories of watching and going to the Maggie's games, and it really took off. Um, once the AFL team came in, um, sitting as a whole family, uh, watching the Power Boys. Fantastic. So do you remember what your first game was? Um, attending, no, but the first memory I have of watching a game is the 92 Grand Final. And specifically, I remember that the goal that Brett Chalmers just roosted from I think it was 80 metres out, yep. um, just watching that on TV. That, I mean, that's my first memory of uh, watching Port. And also, uh, you know, going to the 96 prelim, still pretty young at the time, but um, yeah, have some uh, pretty uh, good memories of that. Absolutely. A couple of good ones there. Yeah. And what about your favourite game? I have a feeling um, I know what this is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of, um, uh, El Scorcho, was it, from last week? It's kind of stolen my thunder a bit. But um, <laughs> round 17, 2001 against Essendon, um, where we got up, got up over the reigning premiers. Um, I, I did a bit of looking into that game <laughs> in preparation for tonight, and um, I mean the game was drenched in history. They came off that 69 point uh, comeback yep. against Kangaroos the week before. That's when that was. Yep. So it was a, a, just a massive win for us. Um, and also it was uh, Bowen Lockwood's 50th and final game. Really? So. Yeah, it was really, really um, a spectacular game to watch where we really announced ourselves to the competition. And, um, you know, I've watched that one many, many times over the years. Um, the only thing that's probably held a candle to it other than the, the finals victories was uh, last year's showdown, which was just, I can't remember, euphoria like that. Um, and Chad might the ball, and he just knew he was going to kick it. So, yeah, probably those two would uh, you know, be my two... Uh, Favourite memories. Yep, fantastic. And what about your favourite player, either past or present? Um, yeah, probably Treaders. Um, 
I think it's probably hard to kind of be a poor fan um, throughout the late 90s and early 2000s without, you know, really just loving the uh, War Machine tremendous uh, as he just, you know, owned the competition for, a, you know, half a dozen years there. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's an obvious one, but a couple of other favourites, uh, Brent Guerrero um, <laughs> when he was still at the club and uh, Brett Montgomery, actually, as well. Yep, good stuff. Well, we'll jump straight into it um, and go with our love and hate. We've decided to uh, to do a, a bit of a joint love and hate this week. And um, what we've chosen for our love is uh, our memberships. It continues to grow at a, a meteoric rate. Um, it's currently at 45,519 people. Um, what do we think of that? I think it's pretty spectacular. And by the looks of it, I mean, we could easily be at 47,000 uh, by the showdown. Pretty bloody good, isn't it? And not only that, I think the showdown's also... Um, been announced that it's uh, sold out as well. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh, I mean, the one thing that I think about when I look at that number is just how great the home games at uh, Adelaide Oval are going to be. Um, we're, we're there. Um, our games are just around the corner at Adelaide Oval, and I, it's just going to be an amazing experience. So there's going to be a, you know, a huge amount of Port fans there. I can't wait to hear that noise when we come out in the showdown. Yeah, it's going to be huge, and you know, it makes me think of last year, at the end of the season, when we, uh, you know, when we got that massive crowd for the for the Carlton game, and it was just amazing after the couple of bleak years, um, you know, where we had such a large uh, attendance, just sort of on, you know, to come out and almost say goodbye to Port at uh, Footy Park, and to think that we're going to, you know, we've trumped our membership numbers uh, quite significantly already, which was was sort of forecasted and is coming true, which is fantastic. And uh, to see that we're going to have a massive crowd, and it looks like we might have massive crowds for the whole year, uh, it's going to be an exciting and vibrant um, style of um, game to go and watch, I believe. Well, it would be fantastic to get back to that level where we were at sort of the start of the, the century, where we were, you know, on a bad day, we were getting sort of twenty five or 26,000 people. You know, on a good day, we were getting sort of thirty to 35. Um, as opposed to sort of hitting 24,000 and thinking, oh, well, gee, that's not too bad, you know. At least I think mm. um, as it's going at the moment, I mean, you know, we, we should be hoping for some pretty regular sort of 40,000 crowds, I would hope. I think it's going to be a bit of a culture shock for some people. You know, in previous years, you've been able to spread out, put your feet down on the seat in front of you, put your thermos on the seat next to you and <laughs> things like this. Um you pretty much have a row to yourself. <laughs> I used to like that, though. I used to like being able to kick my feet over the uh, the seats in front of me. I'm going to be a bit disappointed by that. The yeah, leg room's going to be at a premium. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I was only thinking about it today. When In our heyday in the 90s, when we were really pushing to, uh, to get into the AFL, we had a 45% share... Of the market, I, I mean, I'm going off a of memory here, but I'm pretty sure that's what our following was because we were so dominant. Um, you know, so the supporters are there. It's it's about reactivating them, and you know, we got we had Dumb and Dumber on the radio today, and <laughs> the dumbest of all was saying that you know Port would never overtake um, our rivals in in size and scale, but I still hold belief that you know we did have a very significant market share. And, and if we market ourselves right and play a good brand of football over the long journey, I can't see, and I'm sure the, our power brokers would be looking with that long-term view to, to be standalone and even and competitive with our local um, rival and also on a national level. And I think we're starting to make some big strides. 
yeah, you can definitely uh, see a bit of fear coming from uh, you know, the likes of Dumb and Dumber, as you mentioned, and um, um, some fans around the place that might be uh, you know, hearing uh, some footsteps of Port Adelaide, uh, the, uh, what's it, the, the giant awakening. Right, and our hate for this week, um, it's a very, very sad one. Obviously, it's the passing of Dean Bailey. Um, for those that uh, that weren't supporters um, at the time, he had a lot to do with Port Adelaide through our era of uh, success through the 2000s. He came to our club in 2002 to become our defensive coach. Um, you can immediately see the effect that he had on the team. Guys like Montgomery, Poulton, um, you know, even looking at guys like uh, Sean Burgon and Chad Corns, he had a he had a huge amount of impact on their careers. Um, and I think he had a lot to do with getting Chad Corns and Sean Burgoyne back into the defensive group for 2004, um, which obviously became a, such a key to our premiership. Um, he also moved to the midfield uh, to become midfield coach in 2007. And again, you saw guys like the Corns brothers, uh, the Burgoyne brothers, Pierce, Salapeg, they all had arguably their, their best seasons of AFL footy in 2007 under uh, Bailey in that midfield. Um such a sad thing to happen and such a sudden thing to happen as well. It was only sort of three and a half months ago where he got um, diagnosed with this. Um, what do we feel about that? Yeah, I'm very sad. I, um, you know, and it's it's not just from Port Adelaide's perspective. You look at Adelaide, you, you, you listen to Essendon. Uh, I didn't even realise that he had an influence at uh, Connell. Was he a, did he play at Connell for a few years, did he? He did. He, played, uh, he went there in 1993 and he played under Choco, so that's where they uh, started up their right. relationship. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the overall feedback from all those clubs has been that, you know, he was able to bring a bit of lightness when, uh, when it seemed... To, to be a spare, and uh, I think that shows a, a great character to be able to uh, lighten up a little bit and not always be so serious. And uh, for, you know, I've lost a few friends uh, at that age, and it, you know, and it's way too young, and it's it's actually very sad for the family and all those footy clubs and everyone that he's influenced. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, all of the people that uh, remember him well and uh, reflect on on what he's done and his influence and uh, can uh, tribute to him accordingly. Them throughout the AFL really have kind of spoken for themselves, I think. Um, you know, across the clubs he's worked at and elsewhere, um, you know, a lot of guys have talked about their you know, Bailey's influence on their careers. Um, and he's actually, I mean, he's he had a pretty pretty decent resume when you look at it. He was assistant coach at Essendon when they won the flag, assistant coach um, when they won the flag, and obviously had a pretty big role in. Um, Adelaide surge in 2012. Yep. Um, yeah, so you know, it's, yeah, definitely like seeing the, the tweets and like, the article by Treaders today, which was great. Um, he clearly had a pretty, pretty big, big impact on on the clubs that he was at. So it's, yeah, it's it's very sad. Yeah, I remember back uh, way back in 2001 um, when he was at Essendon, and he it was announced that Port had stolen him from the Bombers. Um, there was a poster on Bigfooty called Walshy, um, who was an Essendon fan. I think he actually worked at the club at the time in, in sort of a statistics role. And he said to me uh, in a PM, just completely out of the blue, you know, you've stolen away probably our best football uh, person, you know, at, at the Essendon Footy Club. I always remember that. And he, he certainly lived up to it at Port Adelaide. And as you said, also in Adelaide, you know, he, he became Sando's right-hand man in 2012 and, 
you can see how far they dropped last year without his influence there. Um, it was kind of a shame that he didn't really make a better goal of it at Melbourne. I don't think that was all his fault. Um, certainly, a lot of you know a lot of the tanking issues that they had there um, wasn't down to him. Um, it, it's pretty clear that the players really enjoyed his leadership and his coaching, um, but unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done um, at the Demons. I'm pretty sure we all hoped that Dean would come back to Port Adelaide at some point mm. as well. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to come back to us when he went to our crosstown rivals and I was uh, bitterly disappointed and uh, still am disappointed and on many levels now, but uh, I guess it's life and we'll all move on and uh, everyone will reflect and hopefully uh, we'll add a bit of... Um, well, I was I was going to say spice to the showdown, but probably spice isn't the right word. But a, a bit a bit of extra passion if we need any. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the clubs choose to do any sort of joint um, joint thing for him, uh, similar to what we did with McCarthy and Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be be a good reflection if both Port Adelaide and Adelaide um, did that together. I think. Yeah, I think that would be a, be a fairly. Uh appropriate thing to do. Um, I mean, obviously, life being more important than football, and he's had such a massive impact at both clubs that um, I think they can probably put that robbery aside for, um, for a moment and pay tribute to the man. Let's get on uh, and talk about our main topic this evening, and obviously that's uh, round one. Footy's back, you bloody beauty. Um, we're playing Colton in round one. We're playing on uh, Sunday evening at 7.10pm at Etihad Stadium. Um, the history between the two clubs, uh, Port leads the win-loss record, 13 wins, 11 losses and a draw. Um, unfortunately, Carlton's had the wood on, uh, on Port Adelaide over the last few years. They've won uh, seven of the last eight. Um, and the last time we met uh, was obviously the last round of 2013 where we lost by a point after leading by 39 points during the third quarter uh, in the last ever game at Footy Park where we were wearing the prison bars. Um, all right, guys, let's uh, jump straight into it. You're mentioning the infamous game where Broadbent intentionally hit the post, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I think it's a, a very exciting team. I mean... Outside of um, Alipati, um, you know, their defence is looking very, very solid and I'm hoping uh, uh, Jackson's uh, knee is going to be all right and will stand up because he's, uh, Macca, you probably know more than me with this, but he's uh, had a pretty light uh, pre-season in that regard. Yeah, I don't think he's played a game in the pre-season from memory. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he does stand up and can play a full game. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, look, I think that's all... That's pretty close to what we could field as a strong side. Uh, I just wonder, I mean, we, and I don't want to uh, take any thunder here away from you guys because you mentioned it earlier and I'll let you talk about it, but um, I wonder if maybe we've carried an extra toll in this squad because I wonder if Jay might potentially drop out at the last minute. Who do you think would come in uh, off the extended bench if Trengo dropped out? No, not Trengo, Jay Shields. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Well, that would mean we'd play John Butcher full forward, yeah, Justin yeah. Westhoff uh, floating centre-half forward. Um, yeah, we've got that extra tall defence. Tom Cleary could probably be yeah. that swing man. Um, we've, we've, um, we've lifted Brent Renouf off the um, 
the rookie list, so potentially he could come in as the uh, that extra toll as well and, and give some support to Loby. I'm just I like my conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really really hope we win the game. Um, I mean, what's not to hate about Carlton? With all respect to um, the Wookie, who you know is a is a favourite on the board. Um, the media just overrate Carlton so much. I think they always get a prime TV fixture. They're full of you know the swag of top draft picks. Um, their fans, when they come to Adelaide, don't make a sound until halfway through the last quarter. They tried to force Brett Ratton on us, but yeah. <laughs> other than that, they're a nice bunch of guys. Um, so I mean, I was, I was hoping actually that they would um, they'd go a bit more conventional up forward. But I was expecting maybe Henderson to play it forward because the smaller guys have really cut us up in the past, I, I thought. Um, and, you know, with those um, Joe the Goose type goals, um, and I was hoping that, you know, with them going a bit more conventional up forward, perhaps that um, that would actually work in our favour. Mm. Well, how do you think Dale Thomas is going to go? Um, I, know, I don't remember him being overly influential against us with Collingwood in games. Do you think we've... Uh, got the ability to be able to lock him down and should we be more concerned about maybe the, the Chris Yaron and the, the Jeff Garlett run where the speed really exposed us last year? I think with Judd out, uh, Thomas becomes even more important for them, to be honest, with the, especially mm. with that sort of outside run and carry. Um, you know, they'll be looking for him a lot. And it was also um, Matthew Cruiser back at uh, last season at, at Etihad. He kicked a few goals against us as well, didn't he? He has a few times, yeah. He probably plays um, his best footy against Port Adelaide, to be honest. Yeah, you'd hope that um, we really lock down on those guys that just carve us up every time we play them. Like, you just get sick of seeing uh, Murphy and Cruiser, Garlett and Yaron just absolutely own us every time they play us. Um, yeah, you'd, hope, you'd definitely hope we, we send a hard tag to Murphy and uh, can hopefully lock down those forwards. It'd be nice you know, if we... Fingers crossed we don't lose, but if we do, it happens some way, uh, some different ways that you know, every other game we've seen against Carlton over the last three or four years. Yeah. Well, we've just spoken briefly about Murphy there. I just want to touch on him. He's probably the key player of the game. Um, since 2008, he's played against Port Adelaide seven times. He's averaged 27 disposals. He's kicked 10 goals. He's picked up Brownlow votes in six mm. of those seven games, including best on ground on four occasions. So he's someone that absolutely tears us a new one every time we play them just about um so he's the one that we really need to to try and stop um and i guess the question becomes who do we play on him do we play a hard tag on him or do we play someone to try and play off him a little bit um i'm thinking maybe matt white uh because he's he's got the pace to go with him and he can also probably hurt him the other way a little bit as well i'd go the hard tag Myself, and I think that would have been a good opportunity for Andrew Moore, which I guess we'll talk about in a sec because he's not in the side. Um, because I think maybe Dom's legs might not be with him if he gets selected in the final squad uh, to keep up with um, uh, Murphy. But I thought it would have been a great opportunity for uh, uh, for Andrew Moore. But I guess that means uh, we'd probably run Kane Corns if I get my wish and we go for a hard uh, lockdown role on him. The two guys who... I mean, who I first thought would get the, the job, you know, this led into the game, Kane Corns and Andrew Moore, they seem to be the guys who get carved up by Murphy every time we play them. So maybe it is maybe it is worth giving Matthew White a, a go. Um, like, do we want him at centre bounces, though, Matthew White? 
I would probably look at starting him on a wing um, and then sort of move him onto Murphy around the ground sort of after the centre bounce. Yeah. That's what I'd probably yeah. be doing. So I think, well, you know, they've said we wanted White to come in and sort of, you know, sort of mark these sort of quicker players. Well, this would be a fantastic baptism of fire for him. What do you guys read into um, Chad Wingard starting as a uh, Ruck Rover? Well, I think with Wingard, I mean, him and Ollie Wines and Westhoff, I think, really hold the key to our season. And, and yeah, I think we might see Wingard a bit more on the ball this year. I mean, he's, he's someone who can flick the switch and just really win the game off his own boot. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, that takes him away from the forward line. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm keen to see what he has to offer. Um, there's a you know, spending more time in the midfield. Yep. So who does Trengove go to? Cruiser or White? I'd probably start I'd him probably on Cruiser. Probably. Sorry, Rick. Yeah. No, you're right. I was about to say the same thing. I'd probably send him on Cruiser <laughs> and uh, and have Homsch on uh, on White, who's probably a little bit more mobile. Yep. Yeah, it might be if if Trengo still has you know, any fitness concerns over him at all. Um, I mean, he probably would. Would he do less running on Cruiser? So maybe that's um, maybe that's the go. Yep. I guess the other query is uh, Jeff Garlett. As you mentioned before, he's someone that's uh, torn us apart a couple of times. Uh, lost to kick a goal against Port Adelaide, especially as you said the Joe the Goose sort of goals. Um, who goes to him? I'm thinking probably Pittard. I'd like to see go to him. Well, yeah, we don't really seem to have the genuine small defender in the lineup, really. I mean, the guys who have the foot speed to go, yeah, really a Pittard. Maybe an O'Shea or an Impey if they're in the team, as you'd expect. Um, I just hope whoever gets put on them can can do the job. Um, yeah, I don't think we have a great match matchup for him to be honest. I think we might need someone to maybe exploit them using their strength. So you know, if it's Pittard um, you know, exposing him, um, rebounding defensively. So this is where I'd like maybe to try the Matthew White experiment. Um, you know, like that's where I was. I was hoping, you know, that that's where we'd use him to try and shut down one of those running half back, half forwards that have got uh, blistering pace. And so maybe play the Darlet and White sort of match up, Yaron and Jarman Impey if he's played uh, because he's got good pace too. And his last game, he apparently played very well as a, a bit of a shut down defender and really try and stop their run with those two. And then and then go back to the Kane Corns on. On Mark Murphy, I don't think when we we lost and Mark Murphy was influential at Etihad that we had a real lockdown tagger on him for the whole game that game. And I, th- I think, as we said earlier, that's the that's the key, and that's probably how I'd structure up with the three players. Yeah, I think if if White doesn't go to Murphy, then he's definitely going to go on one of either Yaron or Garlett, to be honest. So I think probably Yaron. And his uh, his turn of space uh, pace might actually be an opportunity for him to work off of those boys. A little bit better. I don't know if there is um, their attention span or dedication would be there as the equivalent of a uh, Mark Murphy, so to speak. So there might be a bit of a, a burn-off factor there too. Yeah. So who do we see our interchange being? Obviously, we've named a seven-man interchange squad at the moment. We've got Cassisi, Cahoon, Impey, O'Shea, uh, Renouf, White, and Wines. Personally, I'm thinking it's going to be Impey, O'Shea, White, and Wines. That's uh, that would be my pick for the for the four bench players. Yeah, um, I, I mean, they're the first four guys named, and I would expect those to be the four most likely. Um, maybe a Cassisi, um, 
over MP if you know we feel that there's a particular role for Cassisi, but I think uh, Wines, White, O'Shea, MP really offer us quite a bit. Um, you know, there's there's uh, some ball winning there. There's a bit, of, a bit of pace, great skills. So yeah, I think that would be my four too. Yeah, well, I've got. I reckon I'd be a little bit different here. I, I think um, Sammy Calhoun may come in. Uh, I think MP will get his shot. And obviously Ollie Wines and Matt White will be the other two. And I think O'Shea uh, uh, might be, because his pre-season was um, okay, but not fantastic. So I think uh, Dom, O'Shea and Renouf might be the guys to drop out unless uh, obviously Schultz, uh, uh, his foot's not up the scratch and then Renouf might come in for him. Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked if O'Shea missed out, to be honest. Yeah, well, so would I. But uh, I think it, I think there's there could be a a little bit of a change from the the round one team that's for sure. I think Cleary being named on the ground has uh, sort of thrown a few people off because I I think people sort of figured he'd be either just in or just out. But being named on the side, he's pretty much guaranteed a spot now. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because I mean O'Shea I, I thought had a tremendous season last year and was really starting to cement himself in the team and really. Um, making his name known throughout the competition, really. So I know we don't want to give gold passes out, but um, yeah, I think O'Shea would almost be deserving of one based on his um, tremendous season last year. Yeah. Yeah, but new new season, new beginning. Everyone has to start yeah, the same. And, uh, I guess if I weighed up Tom Clory and Cam O'Shea, I'll, I'd probably go as far as say Tom Clory might have been a little bit better uh, than Cam. And, uh, and if that's the case, well, then... Uh, he has to get the nod, and I mean, he, Macca, you'd be able to attest to this. He had a pretty good game against Nick Rewalt last week, didn't he? Oh, he did. He's had a fantastic preseason, and he's absolutely deserving of a spot in the side. He's only had three goals kicked on him all preseason, including just the one last week. So, as I said, he's definitely deserving of a spot. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just interesting to see that O'Shea might be maybe out, but I'm still expecting him to be on the bench. Yeah, well, if he's out, I don't think he'll be out too, for too long, that's no, for sure. That's it. I guess he gives us another defensive option if you know someone someone's getting cut up by Garlett. Um, you know, O'Shea, I think, could uh, be an option in that uh, matchup. And what about the uh, Matt Lobe, uh, Robbie Warnock um, battle? Uh, I asked on the forum earlier today, uh, how's Warnock's pre-season been going? Uh, you know, is that a, is that going to be a bit of a break even because Lobie hasn't been setting the world on fire fire either this preseason? It'll be a battle for the ages, Rick. <laughs> is that sarcasm? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe. Uh, well, look, Lobie hasn't been that fantastic this preseason. He's probably, I mean, he hasn't really done a whole lot of ruck work, especially in the last two games. So it will be interesting to see if we do bring Renouf in. Um, obviously they've got two pretty good ruckmen in Warnock and Cruiser um, but if they take Cruiser away from the forward line they don't really have many other options unless they do play Andrew McInnes um, and Warnock's really not all that great around the ground either I wonder if we're um, just looking after Loby given the massive workload that he's probably going to have throughout the season um, as I say he hasn't been doing much ruck work I mean, he's going to be doing you know, 90% of it, you'd think, in the game. Um, not that, that's when I think he plays his best footy when you know, he's the number one ruckman and the only ruckman, perhaps. Oh, definitely he does his best work when he's uh, when he's sole ruckman. You know, I think we saw that 
late last year. Um, and Renouf's probably the exact opposite, where he's uh, he needs to be the sole ruckman as well. And when he's sort yeah. of the backup, he's he's not he doesn't really impact all that much. Uh, it's around the ground work just gives me nightmares. Uh, but... <laughs> I think I think the second half of the season from 2013, Matthew Lobey would be far more dominant than uh, Robbie Warnock. Uh, so I'd be hoping that they haven't been resting him. Uh, during the pre-season, you know, he should be pretty fresh. And, you know, I would have been hoping that he would be pumping out the performances uh, looking in peak condition, but he had a slow start last year, which was a bit questionable with the... Uh, and as the season went on, he, he got a lot better. So, I don't know, but, yeah, look, I, we really need him to uh, stand up. And if Renouf plays, make sure he taps it to the uh, the right team, I think, this week. That'll be pretty important. Yeah, definitely. I think Warnock's a, a very good tap ruckman. I mean, obviously, he's got the height. He's got a height advantage over Loby, um, but he's a bit of a dead weight around the ground. Uh, generally, mm. um, so yeah, I'd probably be still looking at uh, playing Loby by himself and hoping he can run him into the ground a little bit. And with Jackson coming back from that bruised knee, surely we wouldn't be um, pinch hitting him in the ruck, would we? I would think probably Westhoff might do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... I think uh, Tringo's an asset, and if he's got some leg concerns, yeah, throw Westhoff in there, he'll be right. <laughs> Especially with Butcher in the team now, we can sort of, we can afford to do that with Westhoff. We can throw him in the in the ruck or in the midfield for five minutes and, and give Loby a break and not take anything away from the forward line. Yeah, I think he's primed for a huge season, Westhoff, with Butcher in there. Really just frees him up. He doesn't have to be the second tall, and he can... Just uh, free will around the ground, um, so I think there, you know, there might be some value there, uh, you know, in the brown line. That's it. Do they have a natural matchup for West off in this game, or could he be really influential? I mean, the only one I could would could maybe Lockie Henderson run with him. Yeah, Everett, he's he's got yeah. just size and mobility. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think he'd hit. Uh, I don't think he'd do that well on West off, but you know, body shape wise and pace wise, he's probably a, a close match. Yep. No, he could be on the on the money there because I was looking at it thinking that he might be a, maybe a smoky to, to just go with a run with, with roles, similar physiques. Um, but, yeah, I just can't see a – I mean, that's the beauty of Westhoff if he can follow up from last season's form anyway, that he, he, it's almost impossible to match up on him, isn't it? That's it, definitely. So mm. where, do, where do we win this game? Um, looking at the sides on paper, I think we've got a much better midfield um, as it looks on paper at the moment. Obviously, Carlton's got a couple of players out from theirs. Um, I think the midfield's going to be the key battle, as it is most weeks, but I think more importantly this week it's going to be. I think if guys like Ebert um, and Robbie Gray and Travis Boak have big games, it's hard to see Carlton winning. Absolutely, and I think it's a massive bonus. Uh, not only Judd, but Carrazzo is not in the team because he always seems to do well against us. And... Heath Scotland's the other one. He always seems to do well against yeah. us as well. Yeah. So uh, the stars have aligned for us there. There's really no excuse. And I'm, I'm with you, Macker. I mean, both teams, if, if I was a neutral supporter that didn't really follow either of these teams too well, I'd probably be looking at them going, oh, there's a few good names and a few no names that are, you know, just serviceable, play, serviceable players there. But um, I'd be hoping if all our, player, all our midfielders, like you said, uh, stand up uh, to their form, I think we should just have enough class to, to get over the top. And I think we've got a team that actually probably 
will light the fast track of Etihad Stadium as well with um, with Pittard in the side and Jared Pollock, um, you know, where that gives us a nice bit, and, and White, that gives us an, an MP if he plays, a nice bit of speed to, to run and break those lines. And that's what I'll be hoping for. We need to get that run line-breaking run from the, the half-back line, cut it in about 80 metres out in, into the centre uh, at a minimum and uh, and then give us a direct route to goal. And, uh, and that's how we tried to play last year. And... Uh, if our halfback flankers and midfielders can link up and get that uh, pay, play going, I think uh, that's going to be the way we're going to be feeding the forwards and kicking the winning score. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We've, I, mean, I think we've been working on a game style in the preseason um, that will hopefully work at Etihad. It hasn't really been a happy hunting ground for the last few years, but um, with those additions of White and MP and Polak in the team, um, we've probably got the pace to link up and the... the execution to hopefully play the ground a bit better. Yeah, and I think just going back to the like the outs that Carlton have got, it puts a lot of um, like pressure on Murphy and you know, McLean. Looking at who else? I got Dale Thomas to like do a lot of the work, whereas we've probably got you know ten guys that we can run through the midfield. So yeah, I think you're spot on there, Matthew. With uh, you know, that that might be might be the spot that we win the game. Yeah, I just have a I have a feeling this is going to turn out. Um, similar to that Essendon game in pre-season where uh, maybe we get jumped at the start, um, but we run over the top and top of them, them in the end. So let's see how that prediction pans out. Well, that's something to talk about. You know, pretty much every game of the pre-season so far, we've had uh, we've had very very poor starts. It's something that really sort of plagued the first half of our year last year as well. What are the steps that we need to take to try and ensure that that doesn't happen this year, and more importantly in round one? We need Lobie to get his hands on the ball to start with early and we need our inside mids to get possession and use it well. That's that's the key. I mean, and that will give us a bit of composure and uh, we'll steady from there. We But we definitely need to, to control it from the contest early on and just not let them uh, dominate straight away. Okay, so what we'll do each week uh, for these preview podcasts, we're going to list a couple of... Uh different topics, and we'll list one player each um, who we think are going to impact on the game. Uh, the first question is, uh, who's going to stand up? Who's, whose time is it for, to stand up for Port Adelaide? For me, I'm going to pick uh, Jasper Pittard. Not happy, Macca. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a fan, but I think the, this is the time for him to shine. It's not particularly I expect him to uh, play well, and he hasn't played well. I think this is uh, a game where he could really start his season off with a bang if he does get a good job on uh, on Yaron or Gala and shuts them out of the game. That'll give his season such a fantastic kickstart. You know, I, I'm only allowed to talk about Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, with, I'm you. with you. I agree. I'd, I, I was going to say Jasper, but outside of Jasper, I'd say um, uh, I'm looking forward to Jared Pollock. I think this is his time. Fourth, system, fourth year in the system. Great pre-season. Uh, fantastic conditions for him to excel in in the, in the uh, uh, enclosed environment with his uh, great skill and disposal. And along with him, if Jasper and Jared can really stand up and deliver, I think they, you know, we're going to go a long way. I'm really looking forward to watching Pollock play this Sunday. Yeah, I agree with both of those. And I think um, before I get to my name, like if, if um, the Jasper Pittard that showed up in the finals last year is the one we get on the weekend. I think that will go a long way to winning the game. Yep. Um, but the, the player I'm going to go with, and I mean, it's been said many times before, is uh, John Butcher. Um, I think he just offers so much structurally. Um, if he can cement himself in the team, 
Um, you know, we've seen what he can do, and we've also seen the struggles that he's had with his goal kicking. Um, but if he can actually stick in the team and you know present, bring the ball to ground, jag a goal here and there, it just it offers us so much and takes a bit of the reliance off Schultz and Westhoff to do all the the heavy lifting. So yeah, butcher to step up in uh, 2014. All right, who's going to be the biggest influencer on the match? Uh, for me, I'm going to say Matty Loby. If Matty Loby has a big game, I can see Port Adelaide winning comfortably. Yeah, it's a good call. It's a good call. I'm going to go with Justin Westhoff. Again, I just don't think they've got a natural ma- match-up for him. And uh, I'm exp- I think he's going to start off this season like he did last season and wouldn't surprise me in the least if he kicked maybe five or six goals and, and got you know around 20 possessions. Yeah, I mean, when Westhoff plays well, we just don't lose. Um, I'm going to go with Ollie Wines. I think, um, I mean, he's a second-year player, so it might be a bit unfair to say this, but I think he's going to start bossing teams physically in the midfield um, this year onwards. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I think that he's going to have a big influence on the game um, and really start to physically assert himself or, you know, um, more than last year. Um, I think he's, he's going to start stamping himself uh, on games and uh, turn himself into a real match winner. Yeah, good call, that one. That's a good call. And who is our major worry for the opposition? Um, I'll start off and say Mark Murphy is uh, pretty clearly the biggest worry. He's killed us before. If we shut him out of the game, then I can't see Carlton winning. Yep, fair call. I, uh, I'm going to go... I knew you were going to say Murphy, so <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to go Dale Thomas. And the reason I'm going to say Dale Thomas is because if we can shut down Thomas, which is going to provide... He's going to provide them with link-up run. Um, so you could really insert name, Chris Yaron, insert your name, Jeff Garlett. But if we can shut down him, and which will really shut down their run, I think that's going to go a long way to uh, us winning the game. Yeah, all of, the, all of those. And yeah, as I said earlier, please can we pay t- some attention to Mark Murphy this time now? I think, um, just to throw another name in there, Cruiser, um, I think he, uh, as has been said, he, he uh, did some damage up forward uh, against us last year and, you know, might be able to do some rock work as well. Um, so he's got a bit of, you know, a bit of talent, obviously, as a you know, former number one pick. Um, so on top, on top of those others, um, I'd hate to see Cruiser get away from us. Yep. All right, time to put our reputations on the line. Who's going to win the game? Poor mate. And I reckon we're going to win by 33 points. Wow. Nice one. Dos Seminas? Um, yeah, I'm going to take Port. Not confidently. I really think this is a 50-50 game. But look, let's, um, let's go by 11 points. Okay, we'll get out to a two-goal lead just at the end there. And... Um, Jeff Garlett's going to hit the post deliberately. <laughs> nice call. I'm going to say, I'm going to start off the year on a positive note. I'm going to say we're going to be behind at quarter time. We're going to work our way back into the game and we will win by 17 points with Jared Pollack best on ground. If we're behind at quarter time, <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to listen to me for 10 minutes. Uh, spew my guts up. <laughs> On the, on the review podcast. I can tell you that right now. I won't be happy. No, that's fair enough. I won't be happy either, but if we win the game, I'll be uh, I'll be a bit more happy. At the Satisfied. Result, I think. Yep. 
Yeah. If Jared Pollack is best on ground, I think we'll all be very happy uh, <laughs> that he gets away from Carlton. Uh, we, we could win big. So what about the uh, the rest of the tips, Macker? We were talking earlier and me and you were going to have a bit of a, uh, a competition and we'll get all three of our tips, I reckon, but... Uh, Let's see. We'll put our necks on the line and, and see who's uh, got the goods in relation to tipping. All right. Collingwood and Frio to start the season. Uh, I'm going to pick Collingwood. I'm not sure why, but I just think they'll win. Right. I'm Frio. Am I, am I doing this as well? Yeah, Absolutely. Get in. Get in. Get yeah. yeah, I'm going Frio. That Collingwood lineup looks horrendous. Like, Lamumba has been named as the rover. What's going on there? Yeah, Frio all the way. <laughs> I just think Collingwood are going to stink this year. I don't care what all the Victor- Victorian journeys say. I just I think they're going to slide. Fair enough. Uh, GWS in Sydney. I'm going to pick uh, Sydney. I think that one's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I'm with you there, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to go to Sydney, but uh, it might be the year where GWS start getting closer. <laughs> yeah, we'll give them that. Getting closer, losing by another much. I think they'll uh, they'll have a pretty decent year, GWS, but I can't wait to see Buddy and see what he can do. Absolutely. Next game, uh, Gold Coast and Richmond. That's uh, that's going to be a pretty good game. That's probably up there with Carlton and Port for the game of the round. Uh, I'm going to say Gold Coast. Man, I was going to say Gold Coast too, and I still will. Yeah, I'm undecided about that one. Um, I'm going to take Richmond. Just to be different, but yeah, I'm, I'm not looking the liking the light, uh, the look of uh, Gold Coast team really. They're not really coming along as I would have expected at this stage. Yep. All right, and of course we all picked Port Adelaide, so that one's pretty straightforward. And um, we'll do the rest of the tips uh, next week uh, when we know the other teams. Um, Dos Seminas, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been good fun. Yeah, an absolute pleasure, and no doubt we'll get you on again uh, throughout the year. Great. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully we get a, get a win on Sunday and uh, looking forward to hit listening to the review podcast. That's it. Rick, as always, buddy. Pleasure. Any fishing tips? <laughs> get out there and enjoy it if you can, because I certainly can't. I, <laughs> it, uh, it would be nice. Beautiful weather. Easter's coming. I guess my only tip is if you do like fishing, April, in my opinion, is the time uh, to do it. I reckon Adelaide in, and South Australia in April is just fantastic. Calm weather, um, you know, calm winds, beautiful temperatures, mid-20s. Uh, you can't go wrong. So we've got the Easter backing up with uh, Anzac Day this week, uh, this year. So uh, get out in April and, and give fishing a go if you, if you don't really try it. I'm inspired. I'm going to get out there, Rick. Do it, mate. Do it. Do it it for me because I'll probably be working. (laughs) All right, guys. Go to the power. Go to the power. Well, they've got three in about five minutes here. Well done. Could you do it again? It's going and going 